And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Episode 210 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. How's it going, Brian? Uh, it's, you know, still a week. A week, much like any other week. Yes. Even more so these days, yes. Yeah, the days start coming and they don't stop coming, but they keep coming in identical ways so you never know which is which. <laughs> Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yeah, well, I uh, did make good on that threat to make pound cake. Did you? You were not here for that conversation. That was Tim. But yes, we talked last week about um, I made uh, uh, Dominique Ansel's brownies a couple of weeks back and then bought his new cookbook that those brownies were, that brownie recipe was released to promote. I've now made his pound cake recipe. Mm. It is good. I do think that instinct I had last week to say that uh, I will probably try French toasting it. Probably the right instinct. I think I am definitely going to try that before this week is over. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. I made some orange orange cranberry muffins this week. Nice. Yes. Quite tasty. I think everybody's uh, cooking more. Because, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, everybody's stuck at home, so why not? It's, it's the only thing I know to do to, like, differentiate week to week. <laughs> oh, right. That was pound cake week. Oh, right. That was muffin week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. I mean... It sounds like a joke, but there was cupcake week, there was brownie week, there's pound cake week. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I uh, I don't know what kind of bizarre astrology it is I am developing here, but I think what baking sign are you is going to be how we measure births during the quarantine? <laughs> Maybe so, I don't know. Ah, yes. You are under... Uh, uh, Cross buns rising. Cross buns rising. <laughs> uh, that sounds... Incidentally, I hear that's the uh, uh, newest entry in the DC cinematic universe. Uh, I, see, I was gonna, I was gonna go something like that. Sounds like uh, that sounds like something on a Cartoon Network kid show. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Cross buns rising. Uh, uh, well, we are deviating from the plan for this week's episode. We are. We There were some things that came up. Uh, obviously, Jen is not with us today. Um, that was yes. part of it. And uh, we we what we had chosen for this week was a fairly beefy uh, run. So not... 30 issues. Yeah, the, well, the well... The longest chunk we've picked so Exactly, far. exactly. And, well, we all had a little scheduling issues trying to get through all of that, so... Yeah, I mean, a, a quick peek behind the curtains. We we decide at least two weeks ahead of time right. each book we're going to talk about. Yeah. And then we still all wait until the Thursday or Friday before we record. Well, you know, yeah. Um... Because we are adults, goddammit, and time is meaningless right now. <laughs> I love it. But, 
I'm actually in some ways really, really happy because it means we pivoted to something else that we've been wanting to read. Yeah. Or get the, get the, to. The real reason for the pivot yeah. is we didn't want to talk about Paper Girls without Jin. Yeah, Jin was excited to get to finish it. Um so I was like, Yeah, why don't we just pick something else? Brian and I haven't read Jack shit yet. <laughs> So, Brian, you made this pick, and a good pick it was. What are we reading this week? We are reading the Kelly Thompson-Jessica Jones run. Yes. So, trying to name issue numbers for this run, I think, is a little bit of a losing fight. Let's yeah, talk about futile. its publication history. <laughs> so, um, Before we get into that, yeah. writer is Kelly Thompson. Yes. Artists are Mattia de Ulis. Mm-hmm. Marcio Takara, Felipe Andrade. Colorists are Mattia de Ulis, Rochelle Rosenberg, and Stefan Paltrow. Letterer is Corey Pettit, and covers are by Martin Simmons. All sound exactly right, yes. These issues first were released Digital. in 2017 yep. as Comixology Firsts. Yep, digital only. Uh, yep. There were some other, like, Netflix Defenders related characters who got the same sort of treatment Iron Fist, Luke Cage um around the same time Blind Spot and Purple Daughter were each released as three issues on Comixology mm-hmm. each of those was two chapters that were full issue length right so so these issues are also currently being reprinted the trades came out after that, and now they're being printed in single issues for the first time, or at least were before oh, comics yeah. went on hiatus. Yes. And those issues are single releasing individual chapters. Right. So what was three issues for Blind Spot on Comixology is six issues in print. Right. So if you think of these as normal single issues, there are 12 issues in this. Yes, um, but if you're looking on Comixology, it is six you'll issues. find them in six issues. Right, total. because the first the first issue is one and two, then three and four, then five and six. Yes. And then it repeats that for Purple Daughter, right? Yeah. And Blind Spot goes straight into Purple Daughter. Yes. In fact, the yeah. last issue sets up that storyline. Yes, completely. Um, but, that being said... Other than that setup at the end, it is they are two different stories. Yes. Yes. So don't think that you have to read both of them. I mean, you should. You should. You should because they're so good. Oh. Look, if I were making the laws, you would have to read. Both you would of them. have to read both of them. That's you know what? That's a very fair law. I would. I would vote for it. I would support that law. Yeah. Yes. Um. You know what else I support? I support both of these because this is, this is the best Jessica Jones, in my opinion, that's ever been written. This Agreed. is so I, good. I do not have any grounds on which to argue that. Yeah. Um. And maybe like I think the things that benefit this run. Mm-hmm. And maybe just to go ahead and acknowledge these up front. I think we should. Yeah. Like I. Yeah. I don't. It's not what we want to cover in this, but I think we have yeah. to acknowledge them. Yeah. Um, I have not finished reading Bendis's original run, mm-hmm. and I have not read the, what was it, 2015 I run? I think it was 15, maybe 16, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that 12 or 13 issue run yep. that he had before he left Marvel to go over to DC. Yes. 
Um, one of the things I think this book benefits from is being written 20 years after that book. Yes. One, or uh, completely. 15 years after that book. Yep. Um, and I say that because in the newer Bendis issues from around the same time, like a lot of the things that I think just have aged poorly from a book trying to appeal to mature audiences in the early 2000s, those things don't repeat themselves in his newer Jessica Jones writing. Yes. Um, I think they're of a time where trying to do an adult line or a mature line meant... Something different than it does today. How's that? I mean, it meant, it meant <laughs> I think, across entertainment in general, mm -hmm. engaging in some tropes that we had not acknowledged as toxic yet. Right. Um... And that's not an indictment of anyone on that creative team and, or that book. It's just, that's where we were. And I think it was even harder given the story that was being told about her, which is a fantastic yes. story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's little things. It's things like there's an arc in there where she outs or almost outs a man who's in the closet. Right. Right. Which no one would have thought a lot about outside of the LGBTQ community in 2001, but now we have more awareness of how to be good allies. Agreed, agreed. Uh, the other thing that I think benefits this book is, as much as it is about trauma and the trauma of just kind of everyday living, I think it helps that it has a woman writing it. I do not disagree. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, and, and again, that goes kind of in some ways to the subject matter in that it is it is such a I mean, the story is about violation, right? For the most yeah. part, it's about trauma it, and it, internalized yeah. trauma. Yeah, and that's super, super. Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? That's a very egg, that's a lot of eggshells to walk on when you're saying you know it's being written by a man about a woman. Well, and I think there's just a level of experience. Yeah. But again, we have more awareness of and vocabulary yep. for in 2020. Agreed. Um, and that there is more open conversation about in 2020. Um, like some of it, I think, just comes down to like. To get into the book, one of the things that the second arc in this Purple Daughter mm -hmm. deals with is Jessica worrying that Luke does not have the tools, the defenses, the, the, the ways of coping to deal with the kind of personal violation that is to her any day ending in Y. Yeah. That she's been dealing with for years at this point. Yeah. yeah. And while... The entire Purple Man story is, I think, an extreme version of what it means to be violated. Mm -hmm. The way this run reads to me is, this is an extreme example of an everyday normal thing. Yeah. So that's that's the kind of distinction I think I'm making there in talking about why, why I think Kelly Thompson can write a better Jessica Jones than Bendis. Um I also hate making those comparisons, so that's it. That's I did, yeah, exactly. Me too. Comparison. Me too. Now, um, you know what I will compare? Yeah. I, I will compare some art only because I, I don't know how you could not think this is absolutely gorgeous. Oh yeah, I, like this is. I, I don't. I don't know how to describe it. Everything about this just fits perfectly. I love Gatos. I love his art style 
but there is something about the way Kelly Thompson writes that this just, I mean, it 100% gels perfectly for me. Yeah, I mean, everything in this is very, without being like super, super realistic, it's very crystallized. Mm -hmm. it, body language is detailed, faces are detailed, environments are detailed. It still feels a little bit like, it feels like it's hitting the middle ground between noir and superhero books. Yeah, there's definitely a, a like a nuanced tone of noir around yeah. it, yes. Well, and I think that makes sense. As much as Jessica Jones's roots are noir, yeah. This by this point in her history, she deals with way more superhero bullshit than she did early on. But one of the things I think makes that work is she sees it all as superhero bullshit. Yes. Like for her, she is a detective. Like and that's yeah. That's her viewpoint. So all of the super heroic stuff that happens to her is like it's that. It's a bunch of bullshit. She like she Yeah. Yeah, that's not what she's part of. No. And she she gets that she's more in that like she gets she has a foot in that world even oh, yeah. if she herself is not putting on costumes and fighting you know punching king the well, conqueror in the face not usually putting on costumes <laughs> not by her own choice right yeah um but like the the first arc of this also gets into that the the idea that okay yes this is a world that i don't love but i recognize i am better equipped to deal with than this woman who is asking me for help yes so let me help her deal with it let me help her let me back her up so she can handle her her business. Yeah. Let's talk about what's going on in each of these. Yeah, so, uh, wow, starts off right off the bat, doesn't it? We just jump right in because uh, she's in an interrogation room being questioned by police about a murder. Is that how this book starts? Pretty much. I mean... <laughs> I mean, it starts with her tied up in a power, uh, a Miss Marvel costume. It does. Um... I, I I guess theory yes. When I say that, like that's the first big story beat that happens is she gets yeah. arrested and I, I guess she walks in on a body in her office and gets arrested and is being questioned. See, we're skipping some of my favorite stuff. Though, okay, then there. yeah, okay, yeah. Um, I was trying to move a little faster, really, but yeah. <laughs> what really grounds all of this is the relationship yeah. between her and Luke. And that him. is fair, and that does happen like on page two. That's true. Yeah. Um, we get this great scene, and it's literally just two pages. It's the first two pages after the title. That is her and Luke walking Danny through the park. Luke is distracted by these kids who just cannot get basketball fundamentals down. And it's so mundane and so, like, normal. And all of her narration is about how she struggles to trust that, but has to accept that if she doesn't trust that in the moment, she'll never enjoy life, essentially. Right. Like, there will literally always be things for her to stress and worry about. She says, I used to think it was a bad idea to enjoy a moment like this. I, didn't, I don't deserve it. And later, I knew I deserved it, but I was still crippled by the idea that recognizing things being good, me being happy, was a sure way to jinx it, uh, sorry, it was a sure way to jinx it all, make it disappear. Yep. Which is, I think, such a normal anxiety. 
Yeah. And like that, and this is, I mean, this is just the DNA of Jessica Jones, I guess, but what makes all of this work so well is how, how much it is mundane, normal things just turned up to 11. Yeah. Let me take half a step back real quick, and this is going to take like 30 seconds. I'm going to make this super quick. But it just occurred to me that people may not know, like, the trauma that makes Jessica who she is at this point. So just real quick, I want to say, so the original Bendis run involves somebody named Kilgrave, uh, and he was called the Purple Man. And essentially, he can control anyone. Anyone that he that he can uh, see or that he can interact with, he can take control of them. And by that, I mean literally like, not like possess them, but like they are his literal slave. And real quick, yeah. real quick, Maybe this is where, just in general, while we're talking about Jessica Jones, yeah, there's probably a content warning that should go. With oh, that's this. fair. If yeah, you, if you do not have the the spoons for discussion of abuse, gaslighting, uh, general toxic relationships, I mean, getting into some superhero like mind control, yeah. style. Uh, 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 behavior. Um, this is probably. Feel free to skip this one and come <laughs> back next week. Yeah, there's just not a way to talk about what Jessica Jones is about without getting into those subjects. Yes. So essentially, Kilgrave did this with Jessica. He took control of her, and she l- essentially lived with him. And did his bidding, and yes, all of the awful things you can think that might mean, for, what was it, like, a year? A year and a half? Something yeah, like that? Yeah, something, somewhere, somewhere along it, a, a, yeah. a significant period of time. Um, and she eventually, you know, was able to free herself and resolve the situation and all that. But literally, it meant that... Um, and part of the thing when he controls you, right, like he can tell you, oh yeah, you don't see that person standing there and that person just won't exist to you. Right. So like everything you see, everything you hear, everything you experience and perceive could be real or could not be real. Like, and that is super important because it goes to the heart of Jessica after this experience literally feels like nothing that she has or sees or anything can be trusted yeah right she is always struggling with that and i just want to i just wanted to kind of do that as a setup because even in the story that doesn't involve kilgrave at all this first story uh that is uh, uh, so much a part of who she is now that it matters right yeah okay so let's get back to where i was where she walks into the her office and there's a dead lady there and the cops immediately come in and arrest her yes yes and they take her to uh you know an interrogation room and they're questioning her and they ask her and they show her a picture of who this woman is and it turns out that it's somebody that came in about like six years ago to hire her as a pi uh, who was she was afraid of her boyfriend and she wanted to find uh, some dirt on him so that basically she could get out from under him is essentially yeah, what she, it was. She thought he was cheating. Right. And she felt like if she knew that this was true, that would give her the push she needed to 
walk away. To leave, right. Um, and so Jessica's sitting there in the interrogation room in handcuffs, and like it keeps going and going and going. And finally, this is this is my possibly one of it, it's my first favorite part, and I'll say that because <laughs> because like this is very much a Kelly Thompson book, which means th the dialogue and the wittiness is just off the chart, right? Matt Murdock walks in, right, and he's like, uh, uh, yeah. So he, he basically just says, "Uncovered detectives." And they're like, okay. And he, she's like, well, okay. If if we don't have anything on you right now, so you're free to go. And she's like, thank goodness. And just breaks the handcuffs, right? After like seven hours right. in holding. Right. So this whole time. So this is my this is my quote of the week. This is what I had to find. <laughs> Brian's quote of the week. <laughs> so they she she breaks the handcuffs and they walk out. She walks out with Matt and she's like, he says. You could have just let them uncuff you. My way was cooler. Plus, their faces were priceless. I know that element is somewhat lost on you, but trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so why does it work when you so she says? So why does it work when you say charge her or let her go? But it doesn't work when I say it. I say it fancy. Ah, yes, the fanciness. I missed that class. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. But yeah, and we get that again and again and again in this series yeah. i mean yes. and it's it's there is a sense of humor it it comes and goes as is appropriate but mm -hmm. there is a sense of humor that i mean maybe it's a little bit whistling past the grave sometimes or whistling past the kill grave sometimes yeah, yes but like i don't want to call it a coping mechanism but i it, I, I, it, it definitely I is that. it's definitely part of her, her tool set for it though yeah yeah but there is a sense of humor that says i guess if I can't trust everything, maybe I shouldn't always take it too seriously. Right. Maybe that's how I get through the day. So then we, uh, then we, she, so she heads back to her office to start investigating. Okay, who was this girl? How exactly? Because trying to refresh her memory, right? About who, what was this case I took for her and all that. And then we get to <laughs> what is the real drama of this first issue? <laughs> if that wasn't all enough, um. And that is that somebody walks up behind her and shoots her in the head. And kills her. Yeah. Let's not overlook this fact. Yeah. Um, she definitely gets better, because there are several more issues of this. Yeah. But this is our, our I guess, entrance back into things are going to get weird and reality is not going to be trustworthy because this is a story in which people die and come back at on a whim right well yeah sort of i, I guess so yeah yeah um but yeah so sh then the next th and that's the end of the first single issue the first chapter right? yeah and then the second chapter starts with her waking up in the hospital with luke there and uh not just luke but all her superhero <laughs> friends <laughs> Yeah, please tell me there's not a waiting room full of superheroes. Not yeah, in the lobby, and then and then Carol Danvers, Captain Marley is like not in the lobby, Jones. <laughs> We're here, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's great. It's I mean, it shows that you know she really has made connections and friends in this world, right? Yeah, and in spite of the fact that you don't always see her a lot, like. They all know her and respect her and care about her. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically who is got who is undoubtedly her best friend, which is Carol Danvers. 
I just love Captain um, uh, Captain America standing there holding flowers. I know, right? <laughs> Tony with a balloon. Tony and Spider Man both with balloons. Yes. <laughs> I, I Peters, like of it. course, says "Happy Birthday," which is funny because yeah. she did just come back to life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Kate Bishop's there. Danny yeah. Rand's there. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. The cowardly lion. Oh, the I did not. You know, who I didn't see there first. Squirrel Girl. Yep. Yes. Dorian Green is she peeking is. in. I did not see her the first. Anyway, so that's great. Then her and Carol have a conversation, right? Um, and basically, this is kind of the start of uh, her being a PI, and part of that is her forming relationships and being able to establish and call in favors and markers when she needs to. Yeah. Because that happens several times during this run as yeah. well. Right? A lot of this book trades on who owes her who owes her words. A lot of this book trades on who owes her a favor, right? Or who is she willing to owe a favor? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And some of them are absolutely priceless, but we'll get there. So. <laughs> I mean, and again, you get the fun humor where they go outside and essentially, uh, you know, she's she's separating with Luke and she's like, OK, I, I need to go find out what's going on with this. And he's like, all right, but be careful. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, they call a cat. There's a cab waiting and the cab starts honking. He's like, you're going to get in or what? And, you know, Luke Cage being like just leans over and says, really? Uh, I mean, take your time. <laughs> So, again, just that wonderful here. And then when... <laughs> Stephen Strange. Stephen motherfucking Strange in this book. Oh. And, and and even better, you know who two of my favorite characters are in this whole series? His snakes. Yeah, I mean, these snakes return from the... Uh, <sighs> was that the Mark Wade run? Oh, it may have been. It was Chris Bacalo on art. No, that wasn't Wade writing. Who wrote oh, that? Oh, no, one? that was, um, oh, good gosh. Jason Aaron? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So good. The, but yeah, these, <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah, ignore the snakes. Don't talk to them. <laughs> yeah, the snakes are fantastic comic relief. Yes, they are. Because they're asking like, ooh, can you bring us some breakfast? What do we want? Self-esteem. Bring us some self-esteem. <laughs> Everyone keeps walking. The snakes are like, they never stop. Why do they never stop? <laughs> I don't know, but it's horrible. It's starting to affect my self-esteem. Self-esteem. That's some kind of human breakfast meat, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that comes back. That's good. <laughs> uh, and essentially what she wants to do, she's bringing a bullet to Strange. Because it's the, the bullet, bullet that, that she killed her. Yeah, that killed her. Because she knows, she was like, no, no, no. I know I'm okay now somehow, but I was dead. <laughs> so she's like, can you look at this magic, can you look at this? He was like, hmm, a magic bullet. Let me check. And he comes back, he's like, no, it's just a bullet. Then why'd you call it a magic bullet? Well, I assumed that it was magical if you brought it to me, because otherwise that would just be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it's a regular old bullet. <laughs> yeah. But there's something magical around... Jessica. Yes. And also, next time, don't knock before noon unless it's life or death. death. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, so she goes back and 
Uh, let's see what what happens next. Oh, Misty Knight shows up because you know would, wouldn't wouldn't be a Jessica book without Misty showing up and harassing her at some point. <laughs> yeah, Misty is now running a like FBI task force on. Uh oh, what does it stand for? Uh, aberrant something. What is it? Uh, aberrant, aberrant crime, crime division. division. That's it. Yep. Um, I do love, and I, I'm trying to think. Is this, oh no, this isn't the first place, but it, it it's a good example of one of the things is, and this is very much this is a Kelly Thompson thing. We see it with Kate Bishop Hawkeye with her ab vision, right? Where yeah. she sees things, where we get like these little snapshots of Jessica looking at someone and doing her like detective sight, where she yeah. notices things and we see them as comments, right? Like cybernetic arm, shoulder holster. We see them as comments, and while unlike uh, uh, the Hawkeye book, they're yeah. you know round like targets. In this, yes. they're Polaroids. Yes. Yep, like you would pin up on a on a crime board, right? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um. So essentially, Misty is here to tell her that um, sh- she's invest. She's here to talk to her because turns out Jessica's not the only woman that's been shot in the head and killed. No, she is one of. Four. Three, four we learn in the yeah. course of this. Yeah. Um, there's also, I'm going to mention it here. I'm sure this is not the first use of it in the run, but I think the conversation with Misty is a good example. Mm-hmm. Just the way that uh, Matea de Iulis composes pages where people are at odds with each other or where there's distance. Um, it'll come up again later in a scene with Luke in the second arc. Yep. Uh, oh, but we I know see exactly it, what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. We see it build, um, I'm looking at the second page of Jessica and Misty. Yep. And there's this, like, great panel at the bottom mm-hmm. where we never really see them in panel together unless we're, like, looking over one shoulder at the other until finally we get just each of them in a bottom corner and all their words are between them. Yeah. And I like that use of space and I like that use of all their words are between them is kind of making literal metaphor. Yes. Um, and yeah, like that's, that's also the sort of thing that is going on throughout this book in terms of composition. I mean, we're an audio medium, so we don't get into composition as much as we certainly could. Right. But comics are but, not. They are a very visual medium. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So while they're having this conversation. So yeah. The, uh, she's come to her because there are two others that have been killed. It's uh, White White Rabbit and Skeen. Yeah. Right? Skeen. I think it's I think it's Skeen. As in with a tangled. As in a tangled Skeen. Like a, I've always heard it Skeen. Maybe so. Anyway. I'm looking it up. It is what a... It, Anyway, it is those two, uh, and they stay dead. So it is Skane. Okay, so they stay they stay dead. So uh, she's trying to figure out what's different about Jessica, and Jessica, of course, is not wanting to cooperate with Misty because she never does. And while this happens, Jessica's uh, like kind of a lo- her phone rings, and Misty's phone rings, and they both look at their phone, and then Misty just without a word just gets up and walks out, and then we see Jessica's computer screen, and it's. Uh, infamous monster hunter and superhero Elsa Bloodstone found dead. Now, we are approaching the part of this book that 
made me realize just how much I needed Kelly Thompson to write as much <sighs> Elsa Bloodstone as humanly possible. Well, here's the thing, and we'll get to it. This comes a little bit later. Uh, it actually comes in the second second volume, second trade. Uh, there are many, many female characters that she needs to write. <laughs> I mean, there are just many, many characters. She yeah, we, needs okay, to you're right. Yeah, that is that was I was there was no need to limit myself in that yeah. regard. Yes. I mean, the thing we have not mentioned here is one back when Bendis announced he was leaving. Yes. I don't think there was a moment of hesitation when yeah. I was like, okay, well, he needs to give this book to Kelly Thompson. Mm-hmm. He did, in fact, he and Michael Gatos did handpick Thompson to take over the book. And boy, what a great choice that was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, I I do not think Kelly Thompson gets enough credit for being one of the best writers in comics so good. right now. So good. And she and it's it's kind of what we talked about. Not only can she tell a ridiculously wonderful story like in a in a very engaging way to to get through the story, but like it's it, it it's done in a way that you enjoy reading it because there are the points of humor. There are the, you know, the, the dramatic tensions, the, it, it's kind of got it all. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway. So, uh, Jessica reaches out through Kate Bishop to, uh, to Carolina Dean, to Nico Minoru to find out what Elsa's current residence is. Like, where is she right now? Right. And then she goes there to find out if she can, you know, see what happened to Elsa and gets clocked upside the head with an electric guitar, (laughs) which is Elsa, it turns out. (laughs) One of the things I like in, and it's just a nine panel page, her making all these calls. Yeah. One of the things I like in this exchange is, one, when she is on the case, she is focused and determined and really doesn't want anything to get in her way. Right. But in a very Veronica Mars kind of way, like, sometimes forgets she's talking to other people when she does this. Yes. And, like, her exchange with Nico ends with her realizing that she didn't know that Nico and Elsa were as close as they were, and maybe she should have used a lighter touch, which again, just, it's a quick moment. Right. But it's the kind of thing that permeates this whole this whole run with Jessica trying to balance being so much in her own world and in her own head yeah, versus like still trying to maintain, still trying to be compassionate and maintain humanity and like recognize when she isn't doing those things. And you know what? It occurred, it occurs to me now that that's one of the things that I think Kelly Thompson is best at. And it's why her stories are so good is the characters are, First of all, they tend to be true to themselves. Second of all, they tend to do things that, like, are very realistic in that they're they're not like major character flaws, so to speak. But they're like the they 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 handle things sometimes in the way that you really would handle them. I mean, the thing that that and this was one of the, I think this might have been the scene uh, where this thought kind of gelled for me last night this book and i think you can say it generally of kelly thompson's books but like for jessica jones i think this book is a book written in a world where therapy exists yeah yeah and 
I mean, there's a whole other conversation to be had about trauma and therapy in superhero comics. Certainly, it happens in comics from time to time. But, like, there are a lot of superhero books where it's like, no one's ever heard of therapy, clearly. Yeah. It's just punch, 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 the end. Yeah. And this is a book where, like, even if at one point of the book, like, Jessica gets into... I do not go to therapy. I do not go to group therapy, certainly, because I can't trust other people. Right. But it still feels like a world where these conversations have happened. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing I love about this page is, before she calls Kate, her thought process is, um, but I'm sure I can get Elsa's latest address from Nico Minoru. I don't have Nico's number, but all these super kids know each other. <laughs> so she calls yeah. Kate Bishop. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, she's not wrong. No, she's she's, she's kind of not. (laughs) She's kind of not. But yeah, so she ends up at Elsa's, and it's Elsa that clocks her upside the head. And we get this beautiful panel of Elsa just standing over her with this uh, electric guitar looking down, going, and and skull and crossbones because it's Elsa, right? So, of course, it is. Fuck. Don't tell me you're bloody in on this, too, Jones. And that's the end of this, this issue. Yeah. All right, uh, we are two chapters into twelve. Yeah, we're going to probably speed this have up to pick a up lot. The yeah, up. yep, yeah. I, agree. I agree. Well, but we have done a lot of talking about in general things that we like yeah. about this here, and that won't continue. So, well, and these first two chapters do so much to set up ideas and themes that play through this whole run. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, uh. Yeah, then this Elsa Jessica team up fighting monsters in the Hudson. Yeah, is I think one of the best scenes ever written in comics. I love it so much. <sighs> I, I I do not disagree with you. Elsa and Jessica make a great. They're they're so much alike and then so different at the same time. Yes. Yes. Um, they are both very much when the time calls for it, women of action, right? And without without hesitation. But Jessica again doesn't really feel like she's part of the superhero world. She knows she exists in it, but she doesn't feel like you know that's her. Yeah. Elsa is, which is hilarious because Elsa, in a lot of ways, doesn't really have any like superpowers. I mean. She kind of does in that she can do some magic type stuff. But you know yeah. what I mean? Like what you would traditionally think of as superpowers. I mean, I would I would put it this way. They're both kind of on the margins of superhero. There you world. go. That's a good way to put it. Jessica probably thinks about it more than Elsa ever has. Yeah, because Elsa is just... Elsa is 100% confidence. I mean, like, she just, she knows she can kick ass and doesn't even hesitate about it and just... And doesn't have to, like, Jessica's an investigator. She has to take time, ask questions, do research. For Elsa, it's, okay, that giant sea monster is about to go murder someone. What's the closest gun? Right, yeah. I love that. So she's like with Jessica, and she's like, uh, "Do you want the Do you want the axe or the sword?" And Jessica's like, "I don't know. What about that spiky ball thing?" Oh, honey, you are not ready for that. <laughs> you seem like an axe girl to me. 
uh, thanks. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then we get the scene, and then we get the next page of her just carving into these sea monsters. And she's like, man, this is really, really cathartic. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love, like, there is so much going on in this whole, we could spend a whole episode probably on these yeah. six pages if we really oh, we, I'm sure we could. Yeah. Um, like, it is funny and it is honest. Like, at one point, uh, uh, Elsa's like, we're going to be at this for a while. You won't be able to fill your arms in an hour if you do not cool your jet sub. And Jessica's like, do I have enough trauma and grief to get me through more than an hour of this? <laughs> yeah. Who am I kidding? Of course I do. <laughs> yeah. Me? Yeah. yeah. Also, great uh, 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 sound effect. Mm. Sluis. Sluis. Sluice, chop, slice, smack, bam, squish, crack. <laughs> what? It's very satisfying. It's a very messy fight. It is. It's great. Yeah. And like the splatter and the the like just choreography of it is again yeah. the art in this book is so perfect for it. Agreed. Elsa doing a backflip kicking two monsters heads off at the same time just cartwheeling gore through the air like i am not a gore person yeah but this is art capital a art yeah agreed all right so as from a story standpoint what we get from this is as she's as they're doing this she's talking to elsa and we find out that elsa has met this girl that jessica you know that was found dead in jessica's office she met her before also her name is dia and she came to Elsa saying that she was a monster and that she wanted Elsa to kill her because Elsa kills monsters. Uh, Elsa gave her some, uh, you know, basically tried to comfort her as best she could and sent her on her way. Much like Jessica, Elsa now, when she finds out she's dead, feels like, oh, maybe I should have done more to help her. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's really the important thing that, that we get from this interaction from a story standpoint. Um, but other than... You know, now Jessica and Elsa are friends, and I think they very much pretty instantly like each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Elsa even says, if you get tired of this P.I. thing, yeah. come call me. Right. I can always use somebody that can swing an axe like you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I've said this before, and I will say it again. I need to see, like, Carol Danvers and Jessica Jones and Elsa Bloodstone and... Uh, Jessica Drew and Jennifer Walters D and D night. <laughs> I God, I so I so get the impression that Jessica does not have the patience for D and D. Jessica would be like, I punch it, I punch it, I hit it with a sword, I hit it with a sword. You guys are all doing cool shit. Why can't I do cool shit? Right? Yeah, exactly. She'd play the fighter, in other words. Yes. And then stab something again. Uh-huh. So Jessica goes on yeah. to investigate some more visits, White Rabbit's Club, finds out that Dia's creepy boyfriend has been there and was, in fact, the person who put down, or at least had reason to put down Rabbit and had <laughs> beef with Skane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jessica, back at her office, has a breakthrough. We eventually see, finds where Dia is at. As Misty Knight shows back up, so she hops out the window so she doesn't have to deal with Misty. Yeah. 
very much had a, uh, it reminded me of uh, that scene in Scott Pilgrim where, where they come to the door and they're like, is Scott here? And you see Scott dive out the window. Yeah. No, he's not here right now. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so she goes to this residence in upstate New York where uh, Dia and her boyfriend had lived at one point or with like Dia's former house or something. And lo and behold, finds Dia there. Alive. And prepared to knock her out with a frying pan. <laughs> yes, correct. Um, and this is where we find out what's really kind of happening in, in this whole story. Yes. Um, and essentially what it is, is Dia, uh, 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 back when, just after she had visited uh, Jessica the first time, um, developed powers. Yeah, wishing powers. Essentially, yeah, R- reality warping. Um, anything... Monkey's paw wishing powers. Oh my god! Anything that she wants bad enough happens. Um, you know, which is wonderful and terrifying. For like, she talks about her cat meowing, right? And her just thinking, "Will you shut up?" And like, the cat doesn't doesn't make a noise again for like six weeks or something. I think it was three days. Three, oh, okay, yeah. whatever it was. But it was, like, it scared the shit out of her, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, what else could I accidentally do not intending, you know, because we all have stray thoughts about, you know, that we wouldn't actually act on, right? Um, yeah. And so uh, we find out through this then that she was like, well, then what was your deal with your boyfriend? You know, why did you come hire me about him, et cetera, et cetera? And it turns out that he was kind of, he, he was a super creepy jerk. Yeah. Um, and basically he got even worse when she started developing powers because obviously he was super jealous of her. Um, and so she thought maybe it would be better if he also had the power so we were equal and then he wouldn't resent me and... So she wished that hard enough that she gave him pa- the same powers that she had. And things didn't get better. No, there's a shocker. I'm so surprised yeah. by that. So Dia well, went back to Alias well, Investigations to try to find Jessica. Mm-hmm. And basically, again, monkey's paw, finger curls, wishes she had a way out. And her own corpse materializes on the floor in front of her. Never occurred to her it would be pinned on Jessica. Never occurred to her the cops would show up. We don't really know if that's part of the wish or if just, uh... Right. What is creepy boyfriend's name? Jared. Jared. Or if Jared was, like, following her at that point and called it in himself. Right. Well, I was gonna say, you said things got things got worse. You could simultaneously say they got better and worse. <laughs> It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Yeah, so Jared, and at least some part of him, realized that he was awful and horrible? We don't know that yet. Oh, do we? Okay. We learn that later. Okay. All right. Well, it's at the end of this chapter four, right? Yeah. We we, we get the call that Mary Jane Watson has been That's right. That's right. That does happen first. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, um and Jessica is confronted by a grieving Spider-Man who Oh. Like this wrecks her a little bit like seeing Spider-Man so out of sorts. Well, here's the thing and I think this is what does is like not only is he tr- tr- clearly in shock like 
not a there is not a single quip of any kind that comes from him. Yeah. And like I didn't realize how much that is out of character for him to the point that you're like, shit, something's really, really wrong here. Yeah. 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 There is no joke Peter Parker can make in this moment. No. No. So she sends him home. And like really hopes she he gets home before he decides to come back. Right. Yeah. And goes up she goes up to find out what's going on and comes across Jared up there. Yes. Standing over a body bag with MJ in it. Yeah, and she's just about to knock the ever loving crap out of him when he's like, Don't, 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 or I won't be able to finish bringing her back. And you're and which of of course is the what? Yeah. And it turns out that Jared is the one who has been, after they are killed, bringing her and Elsa and now MJ back to life. Yeah, he didn't know about Skein or White Rabbit in time to make it. It had been right. too long. Correct. But once he realized what was up, yeah, he started going and trying to save them. Brian, what was up? Um, well, they are then immediately attacked by Evil Jared. <laughs> because it turns out that Jared kind of realized he was a jerk and wished that all of the bad, awful, horrible things about himself were no longer part of him. So they weren't. They became a different Jared that was all all of those things and left only... So now we have good, literally good Jared and evil Jared. Yes. Yes. Like, all of the good, positive things about him are in one person, and all of the horrible, awful things are in another person. And this person has been the one that's going around killing these people. And good Jared is the one has been, now that he knows about it, has been following behind him, bringing them back to life. Yeah. Um, turns out that the person that he really wanted to kill the most was Dia. Right. Right. And we are now caught up with our framing device that has been at the beginning of each issue. Yes. Jessica in this Miss Marvel costume. And when we say Miss Marvel, up. like, it's the old lightning bolt. Yeah, it's it's the lightning bolt bikini. Yes. It's, it is, of course, the tackiest costume that a creeper could decide to put her in. Yes. 100%. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, the beginning of this one is when he's not there, and she just instantly breaks the chains that are around her. He's like, "Good, Jared is there also," and he's like, "You could have done that any time." She's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Well, then why did you?" He was like, "Because if I had done it when he was here, he would have just made bigger, stronger chains." <laughs> it's also a great callback yeah. to the interrogation scene at the beginning. Exactly, um, and then it turns out that Dia has been there, invisible, watching this whole time as well, so she knows what's going on. Um, and Jessica has already realized that the solution to this problem is going to be Dia. She's yeah. the one who gave him the powers. She has the ability to take them away. But yeah. Dia is not in a place where she is confident or has enough belief in herself that she can do this. And because there is no stronger force in the universe than irony... Jessica Jones must tell someone to yeah. dig deep and find within themselves the ability to work through trauma. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then and then so then they leave 
she takes her leather jacket and she's now wearing her leather jacket over the Ms. Marvel swimsuit. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and where do they go next, Alex? We cut to at twelve oh one PM the front door of the Sanctum Sanctorum. And Steven's like, You're back. Didn't we just do this yesterday? She's like, Yeah, but you said not to come back until until afternoon. It's twelve oh one. Well, we also get the caption. Damn, was that yesterday? <laughs> yeah. I felt that one. I felt that one a lot. Yeah. Because we're five issues later, pound right? cake week. Oh, yeah, I bet. I bet. And then she's like, he's like, it is 12.01. Well, you did say afternoon. Besides, it's an emergency. And he looks at her and he goes, is it a costume emergency? <laughs> <laughs> we also get the snakes yes. harassing Dia. Jessica's like, ignore them. Yes. And then thinks, honestly, I'm starting to like the snakes. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, they, yeah, they go, hey, green hair, bring me some human breakfast meat. No, self-esteem. Oh, right, yeah, self-esteem, we need it. We need it bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. And, okay, so Jessica has brought them to Good Jared and Dia here to Doctor Strange for him to try to help them gain control of their abilities, essentially. Yeah. Um, which he does. Uh, Dia begins to understand, like, how this works and all of that wonderful stuff. And so, um, oh, by the way, uh, El- she has called Elsa. Elsa is with them also. Yes. And the snakes really like Elsa. <laughs> Yes, to, which yes, El- to which Elsa says, if you talk to me like that again, I'm going to tie your sodding tails together and expletive, 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 expletive. Oh my. I think I'm in love. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. Okay. Uh, let's finish this up. Uh, so now we lay a trap. We do lay a trap. So Misty comes and arrests Dia and throws her in the back of a police wagon uh to which creepy evil jared immediately shows up again as a cop because he's done that before and it says oh d i'm so glad uh to find you're still alive because now i can kill you so you can't take away my power that he he realized that very quickly that she would be able to do that yeah. that's why he to wants which her dead dia says ha ha i'm actually jessica the illusion fades and punches him really hard in the face so he gets up and messes Jessica up because, you know, reality warping powers. Yep. <laughs> then Elsa just kicks the shit out of him. You all right, Jones? Been better. Hit him harder, please. As you wish, darling. <laughs> yep. But yeah, then he then he stops uh, Elsa as well. And turns out both of them really honestly were mostly a distraction. So yep. that Dia can show up and take away his powers, which she does. Yes. Yeah. And then they talk to good Jared and make him realize that he has to reabsorb this part of himself. He has to own all the shitty things he's done and work through it, too. Yeah, and, like, learn to be a better person, not just magically make yourself that way, or you'll just do the same things again because you don't yep. know why you did them the first time. Right? Yeah, yeah. So he does, which is great. And uh, that is mostly the end of this story for the first first That ends this story. We get a chapter of uh, Danny's second birthday party. Yep. 
and everything that could possibly go wrong. And the fact that, yeah, they their super friends, their their superhero friends are not the most um thoughtful no. people. Yeah. You get Hulk's eating cupcakes and Thor's stealing presents that Hulk's brought because they might accidentally summon trickster gods, and then eating part of cake after he picks it up. Yeah. And Lone Shark attacking. And then being like, oh shit, I didn't realize it was your kid's birthday. I'm sorry. Peace. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and against all of this, Jessica is a little freaked out because all of the decorations Luke got were purple. Yes. And Luke realizes what's up. They talk through it. Uh, Everything's okay. I do have to jump back half the second because it's oh, yeah. it is one of my favorite lines and I forget I I've skipped over it. After all this is over, like literally the last scene of this story, right, is Luke with his arm around Jessica and they're like walking away and he's like Should we talk about the outfit? I feel like we should talk about the outfit. Or at least bring us home with us. And Jessica goes, Oh, it's coming home with us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that made me laugh as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... So the this... party, everything's okay. Yeah. Luke has gone out and gotten new decorations. Right. They are cleaning up their wrecked apartment. Oh, yeah. And the babysitter brings home Danny, who is purple. Who is now purple. And that is the... Literally, that is the last page of this, is Danny saying, Mama, look how pretty, purple! And Jessica just on her knees going, no. And yeah. that's it. <sighs> Alright, wow. I do not think we can or should go beat by beat through purple. Yeah, I, I don't either. I, I, I 100% um, agree. A lot of what this arc is about is obviously Jessica dealing with pushing through the immediate trauma of, well, does this mean that Danny is somehow Kilgraves. Does this right mean she has the same powers? Is Kilgrave even really dead? What does this mean for Luke? I mentioned earlier, like a big part of this is her trying to figure out how to protect Luke as much as she can, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, this basically, other than a scene of her drowning someone, uh, <laughs> opens with Jessica in a bar. Drunk by 4 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. Like, literally, and they and they and it's said several times because it's absolutely true. This is her absolute worst nightmare come true. Yes. Yes. And, like, the thing that I think the setup for this handles really well, and we get it through Luke, and we get it through Carol. Carol, especially, I think. Is this idea yeah. that everybody knows what Jessica has been through, at least everybody close to her. Right. Knows and what Jessica has been through. This is their first time really understanding it. Right. And being on her end of it. Yes. Like, like, right. It, it, there's a scene with Carol talking to her in the bar, right? And, yeah. and she's like, she's like, Carol's talking to her and Jessica's like, yeah, she, it hasn't hit her yet. She hasn't realized what this really means yet, right? And then finally, Jessica's like, oh, wait. And, like, she realizes, oh, maybe this means, you know, Danny isn't Luke's daughter, right? Yeah. And then she's like, mm, there's still more. 
right? And then Carol's like, oh, crap. If Kilgrave's still alive, who the hell did I throw in the sun? <laughs> right? Like, did I murder some innocent person? Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's why I said we kind of get that through Carol, is just because, like, yeah, you don't understand. Like, everything is now suspect. There's literally, like, your eyes, your ears, your taste, nothing is yeah. trustworthy. And then we get the best Carol moment in this, where the bartender asks you want a drink, and we get just this this little pause, and then seltzer, please. Yeah. Like, yep. Um, and to to move quickly through this uh, again, Jessica, being a PI that she is, right, yeah. goes through several um, uh, quick things where, um, like, she reaches out to Kilgrave's daughter, Kara Kilgrave. Yeah. Um to find out, you know, if she's part of this somehow. Um, and then uh, essentially goes, uh, this is where we talked about, she goes to a group meeting for supporters yeah. who have lived through being traumatized by Kilgrave. Um, Shout out, though, to the art in the conversation between Jessica and Kara Kilgrave. Yes. Just these close-ups on faces and yep. reactions. And I'm thinking particularly like these two silent moments on Kara's part. Yeah. We're just like everything is in her face. Yeah. We're everything. Yeah. And 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 cuz Kara is like cuz she like really she almost kills Kara to threaten her essentially, right? Yeah. And and Kara's like she's like I'm sorry that I almost killed you, but and Kara's like you needed to know if I was in on this or part of it. <laughs> like yeah. she it, it, you see that it's a different but very similar trauma for her, right? Well, and it's recognition is the it, is. Like it is so yeah. much of so much of this arc reframes Jessica distancing herself mm -hmm. as an act of protection, and I think the opposite side of that is the only people she's willing to open up to about this are people who have that recognition and really understand what's up. It's Kara Kilgrave, yep, it's um Daredevil. Yeah. You see, like, um, before we get to group therapy, you see this exchange I mentioned earlier between her and Luke, where they talk about Luke taking Danny and going somewhere. And yes, we've practiced right. these code words, but I don't feel safe using them, Luke says. And Jessica wants to know where they are and that they're safe and that they're close, but at the same time, like, knows she can't trust having this knowledge. So, like, mm -hmm. it's navigating that. It's, it's, again, some really strong framing and use of space and use of putting word balloons between people and then, like, putting space between them, putting silence between them. Where there's, like, a scene where they're on the bed and Jessica's facing one way and Luca's on the other side of the bed facing the other way and they're talking. And, like, you can see, it's literally, it is just a visual representation of this gulf that is now between them. And, like, it's, the space between them is consistently full until finally Jessica says, you know, uh, it won't, even if it's the worst imaginable, it won't undo what's already there between you two. Everything you've been through together, everything you feel, both of you, it's all still real. And Luke just asks, is it? And it's that same frame of, like, so much space between them. That's mm -hmm. the only thing between them now. Right. And, like, she's kind of looking back at him, but he's still looking away. Yeah. So, uh, uh, 
I, and we, I'm going to move really quickly through this part is so, essentially I'll, what happens is real quick, real yeah. quick shout out to letterer Corey Pettit. Like uh, this is not yeah. just in the art. No, yeah. it is not. It is all of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, Jessica ends up being reached out to by Kara and she tracks some things down. She does some PI stuff, right? Yeah. And essentially, uh, finds out about this one location that she can go to before she does that she calls in one more marker that she has and we have to mention this because we see her sitting in her office and we see this silhouette on her door you know it's a very pi moment right yeah Uh, a a very noir moment where you just see the silhouette on the door and she goes because nobody makes an x-rated silhouette like that x pun intended (laughs) because you need to call a femme fatale Emma Frost is the one, I guess. Emma walks in, yes. <laughs> and, uh, I do not have it in front of me, but there's a line where she talks about Emma, the way Emma is dressed, right? <laughs> where she's she's she does her like detective vision, and she talks about uh, you know like uh, um, you know um, amazing tell uh, super powerful telepath possible boob powers <laughs> you know, all of this and, and and she's like wow that's quite the outfit and just, yeah. and uh emma goes i'm working the streets because <laughs> <laughs> i mean everybody knows that the you know it's a it's a joke about how emma yeah. dresses right so emma responds slut shaming really jones <laughs> that wasn't slut shaming that was costume shaming that was costume shaming yes yeah we jumped over a little bit. We mentioned the the group session. Yeah. All that really becomes for Jessica is a sort of lead on this one person who's maybe faking it and then later turns up dead. Uh, she sees one of the purple children right. in the course of this, which is a little bit of a lead for her. Then she checks in with Daredevil, who gives her a little bit of advice on uh, maybe how to resist... Okay control right which is why we get emma coming into the picture emma is bringing her a device neural inhibitor we learn later um yeah so uh jessica takes because daredevil basically tells her that the way he processes information is different and he thinks that helped him resist Kilgrave. yeah so maybe if she can change how she processes things it will help so yeah she calls in this favor from emma emma comes in gives her this um and then Jessica is basically going to go to this house that she has gotten this address she's gotten from Kara. Yeah. She and, goes she goes door to door, checks right. in with different the thing she learns is there have been a bunch of suicides recently that are exactly Kilgrave's MO. Yeah. So she checks in with each of those victims' families. Um and then like all of those basically turn out to be dead ends. She gets a text message from Kara saying, Meet me at this address. Kara ambushes her in the park, like fully purple eyed out under someone's control, which is supposed to be impossible. Right. Um, tries to stab Jessica with this glowing purple syringe. Jessica fights her off, takes the syringe, heads to the address she was given. And that's where she sees all the purple children. Yeah. And they are standing in her way and they are not going to let her in. Um, but, then someone shows up, and it's Emma again. And Emma's like, you know who I am, right? And they're like, yeah, we know who you are. She's like, do you really want to go against me? No. And they step to the side. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and Jessica's like, you know, you didn't have to show up for this. Why are you? And she's like, 
people always treat me as, you know, basically an ice queen, right? Like I don't have any feelings and I'm this super bitch. And I kind of am, but it's mostly because I, as a, as a telepath, and I have learned, it's one of the first things you learn is to isolate and protect yourself from people's feelings, right? Uh, otherwise you'll be overwhelmed. But, like, the way you felt, like, how raw and powerful that was literally just cut through all of those yeah. default so shields. Please. Yeah. Your mind was a damn mess when I saw you. Rage yeah. and fear and pain coming off you like stink lines off a cartoon character. <laughs> yes. You've seen a cartoon before? No. Well, now I'm not sure I believe you. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it, darling. <laughs> That's right. Oh, so they go in. Uh, and are attacked by numerous people yeah. that are purple that are under some sort of well, influence. Clearly, right? first Emma gets stabbed with a syringe. And... Right, that's what I was going. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. That by wasn't that by these people? Right, just a person. Okay, well, off on the side. Fine. Um, whose eyes aren't glowing? It's the person who's behind it all. Okay, I think who stabs her. So Emma is resisting but only partially so she yeah. goes into her diamond form which if you know him she can't use her telekinetic powers when she's in her diamond form but she's yeah. basically invulnerable right um so she her and jessica fight a bit and emma regains enough control to say okay i'm going to change back out of my diamond form long enough for you to hit me you have three seconds yeah <laughs> and jessica does jessica knocks her out essentially yeah um, and then jessica gets to fight off a bunch of mind-controlled civilians right and trying to do the math of how to incapacitate without doing long-term damage and also she's very bad at math and she's very bad at math i hate fighting non-powered is how she puts it yes um, well good news there is a powered person for you to fight jessica yeah so purple-eyed luke shows up yeah it's a really bad day for Jessica. I'm like, all of this is over the course of, like... Two days? Not even. I mean, most of it's the same six hours. And I think this is supposed to be, like, the next morning, almost. No, I meant, like, two days this whole... Like, oh, the from whole run. the whole oh, yeah. run. The whole run is, like, 48 hours. Yeah, yeah. So, um... Yeah, and he's like, you're not gonna kill your husband, are you? And she's like, you know what? No, but I have to take him out because... The only thing worse than me killing him would be letting him kill me and realize that he did that. Yeah. Yeah. Because he would not be able to live with it. Yeah. So she puts him in a sleeper hold, eat your heart out, Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I, and I, I want to breeze through this and get to the next part super quick yeah. so we can finish this up. Um, essentially, she she gets stabbed also. and Yeah. Uh, is you know goes goes out and then we we move to the next issue yeah. and we are in full blown like mind controlled fifties housewife alternate reality Stepford wife type yeah. yes oh and it's Kilgrave's son yeah that's the other thing we learn at the we do life. learn that yeah it's Benjamin Kilgrave who is who Kilgrave's is using son. a combination of his father's blood mixed with his blood yeah i guess we should his father in yeah. a coma in the bed there so kilgrave is not in not dead not in the sun he is in a coma um his son is essentially milking his blood to create this serum uh to create both a injectable serum and a gas 
that he can use to have basically in some ways more a more powerful version of what his father has yeah because it's so concentrated right but obviously he has to have this external thing so in some ways it's less powerful yeah right then we get this 50s stepford housewife scenario that opens up in chapter five and this is uh felipe andrada right that draws this because it is a different art style and it's awesome because i love how they decided to change the art style for this yeah it's a really smart choice um i also love like it's it's set as the sort of 50s family it's jessica and luke yep luke is in a sweater vest yeah is their child with the reed richard graying temples yes and then there's their their pet killer the cat, yes. And there's this door. Anytime Jessica tries to go through the door because she doesn't know what's behind it, mm-hmm. Benjamin stops her. Right. Eventually she manages to make it through with the help of the Kilgrave children who have realized that, oh, hey, we looked into that thing Jessica said about her daughter and that was true. What's up, Benjamin? This is not what we said was okay. Right. So they help talk her through getting through the door where she finds Emma tied up. Right. And they help talk her through repairing the neural inhibitor, which was damaged in the fight with Luke. Um, I got the impression that the one that was talking to her to help her repair the, was not the children. I got that. I thought it was a little bit of both. Cause there's the children have the line about, uh, Maybe we need help. Yeah, I think we, so. Maybe the children have tipped off this person, and it's okay. Maybe so. The children are the inciting incident here. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Je- so Jessica repairs this neural inhibitor that w- that Luke broke from her. You know that she had earlier, yeah. and it allows her to see through the this illusion and find out that Killer the cat is in fact Kilgrave. Yep. Yeah. And that the only way that they can get out of this. This was very reminiscent of uh, Kelly Thompson's uh, Captain Marvel and uh, Rogue yeah. story that happened, right? Uh, it reminded me a lot of that in, in, in that Jessica essentially has to let Kilgrave take her over in order. That's the only way they can resist Benjamin and free themselves. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> And that leads to the confrontation between Jessica's body piloted by Kilgrave and Benjamin. Yeah. Um, Benjamin. I, hmm? I was just going to say, I just want to point out, I think there is zero doubt in my mind without question. The only reason Jessica can do that and let him do this is because Luke is there and in danger also. And also she's wearing the neural inhibitor, which helps. Like right, the yeah, stakes are fair. the stakes are her family, but also right. she has the se- she I mean, one is a little bit I think it's gotta be more faith in herself and her ability to protect herself and her family. Part of it's knowing she's got this ace up her sleeve of the same neural inhibitor that lets her resist Benjamin will help her resist Right. Jer- uh, Zebediah. Zebediah, right. Um, and so, yeah, uh, basically we have th- this last issue is uh, Kilgrave, you know, Zebediah in her head trying to kill Benjamin yeah. and her trying to keep him from killing Benjamin. And um, Benjamin reveals that it was, in fact, Zebediah who purpled Danny. Right. By getting a delivery guy to steal a vial and a syringe 
to create an entire chain of breadcrumbs that would lead Jessica back to save him from right. being because he knew if he got her life. attention in that way, she was she would follow the trail until she could get there and find out what was really going on. Right. So he's still a manipulative asshole. Oh, one hundred percent. In case there was any question. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so you know, she then she she frees Luke. And finds out that it was the gas that was, you know, basically keeping him uh, under under control. And then they go and they free Emma, right? Yep. Um, and during all of this, Benjamin escapes. Yeah. The the purple children incapacitate Zebediah. Right. But Benjamin gets away. And then um, Emma, still in her, you know, uh, you know diamond form, basically, is like... Uh, so I'm not sure who owes who at this point. And she's like, oh, no, you owe me, Jessica. But I saved you. Yeah, you got me strapped to a table and forced into a coma and almost killed. Then you let the man who did that escape. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then see you around, Jones. And then Jessica looks at Luke, who's standing next to her. Luke, stop trying to look at her boobs. But they're made of diamonds. How many times in life am I going to get to see diamond boobs? Yeah, fair point. <laughs> Then Carol shows up. Uh, Jessica explains to Carol, look, yes, Kilgrave was still alive. No, you didn't kill anyone by throwing them into the sun. Right. Carol like, is Like, she knows what relieved. all of Carol's questions are going to be and, like, preemptively answers them, right? Yeah. It's great. Um, and, Kilgrave and, is being detained at the raft in mm -hmm. a special facility to hold him. And, and they go home. Well, yeah. they go to Alias Investigation's office. Because their home is still pretty much destroyed, right? Yep. And uh, read a bedtime story to Danny, and in the middle of the night, Jessica wakes up, and Danny is no longer purple. Correct. Yeah, and basically, you know, she kind of reiterates what she said at the very beginning of this run, which is, yeah, I can't ever relax, I can't ever let my guard down, but I can choose to be happy, right? Yeah. And understand that what I have right now is good, and and I have to enjoy it right now. Yeah, and that if bad things are always going to happen, then yeah. embrace the good while you've got them. You got it. And then it start at the end is somebody knocking on her door, and she's opening it and saying yes, like taking ready, to take another case. Yep, and move on with life because that's how it works. Damn, this was good. This was long, but it was so good. Yeah, yeah, it's. Now that we've spoiled the whole thing for everybody, go read it. Oh, it is, I mean, it is so much better being read than, than what we yeah. have given to you. But I I do think it's important that we did this in, in talking about it, because especially now that, I mean, you kind of look back at what we said, there's so much built up in why this story has such an impact is in understanding the fears and motivations that Jessica has. Yeah. Yeah, so good. I loved it. Kelly Thompson can write more Jessica Jones. She can write Elsa. She can write Emma. I would, you know, I'll whatever let her write she it, wants, whatever she frankly. wants to write. I'm probably going to read it because, God, I love when she writes books. Yeah. There's no probably about it yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah, whatever she writes next, I'm going to be reading that too. Kelly Thompson on The Creeper. Cool. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Normally, this is where Longbox would go. Yes. But it is Jen's turn, and she is not here. Now, Brian, yes. Jen did choose to take 
option C did last she, time. Oh, did she take behind the secret door? She did. Would you like to know what was there? I do want to know what is there. Give me, tell me, tell me. An issue of Marvel's 1977 Logan's Run. <laughs> with the first Thanos story. Seriously? Yes. Thanos was in Logan's Run? I imagine as a backup. I have obviously not read this. Oh my word. Okay. That's so, crazy. I think that probably answers my next question. Uh, is this actually in your library? We're, we're opening a new no. sideline betting on this. No, this is not in my library. It was Logan's Run number six, specifically. Okay. There were apparently two Logan's Run series of the same year. One is on Comixology by a different publisher. The other one is this Marvel Logan's Run that okay. is not on Comixology. Wow. Yeah. Um, we do have a new option for what's behind door number C. Okay. Uh, Darren has sent us a replacement. Excellent. Uh, this time, I do not know the title of the book, so I can also play along. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, he did provide some clues. Do you want the clues? I mean, if he provided them, sure. Let's do that. Clue number one, it was one of the best-selling Marvel comics in 1977. Number two, the villain of the book is Doctor Doom. Three. The superhero team battling Doctor Doom is comprised of four individuals. Four, of all the primary colors, there is a unique use of the color red that is used to tell the story. Oh. Mm. I'm wanting to say, for some reason, I'm wanting to say, like, Defenders. Like, the original Defenders team or something. Mm. I mean, the obvious choice, right? You say Doctor Doom and a team of four heroes, and you think Fantastic Four. Yeah. I don't think it's Fantastic Four. <laughs> well, I do not know but. what it is. But I do know that one of us should pick a book for next week, and we I will thought, double down next oh, week. Oh, are we doubling down? We will. I mean, oh, we might as well. Boy. Okay. It would be one of us either way this week. All right. Okay. So do you want to be evens or odds? I'll take evens. Hey, great choice. It was a four. No, I said odds. <laughs> Let's play back the tape. Damn it. We we're literally recording. have that recorded, Brian. Damn it, we're can't recording. No. Okay. So uh, make your selection. Your selections. Oh, uh, I, yeah. Hang on. Quick, to the bat computer. To the bat computer. <laughs> okay. Ooh. Oh, wow. That's... um. One of the, I, I kind of I think I have to um, I, I think one of these is is out the window because uh, it, one of them is Watchmen number twelve. I mean, I feel like the rules are the rules, and we can't <sighs> just arbitrarily dismiss things. Yeah. That said, if you pick Watchmen number twelve, you're kind of a chicken. Yeah, I know, right? The other is DC Silver Age Classics. It is non-numbered. It is the first appearance of the Silver Age Flash. Like a, This looks like it's a reprint. So are you going to choose one of those, or are you going with door number three? I, I almost, I, like, these are just too, too vanilla. I feel like I have to go with door number three, just to brave it up. <laughs> well, if you're sure. I am 100% not sure, but I'm going to go anyway. <laughs> All right, I will forward you the email. Okay. Oh boy. Okay. Hey, I I have it now. It is Marvel Comics Super Special, huh? It is. 
Oh, I should have known this was it. I boy. should have known. Uh, yeah, it's Kiss fighting Doctor Doom. Printed in real Kiss blood. Oh my! Welcome to the Marvel universe. Oh my! This is. Uh, mm. Oh, good God! This is long too. This is like sixty-six pages. Okay, well, I'm not. I guess I I'm know not, what you're yeah. doing tonight. Uh, well, I'm not reading all the text. I'm just going to read the comic portion of this. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I am. Wow. Okay. How are you feeling, Brian? <sighs> like I wish I'd have taken that uh, <laughs> DC Super Special, Silver Age Special. Wow. Oh God. <laughs> now I remember why we quit doing long box. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. This is delightful. Oh my god. Uh, you know what? A little behind that. I've never been a huge Kiss fan either, so <laughs> this is especially disturbing. Okay. All right. There we go. Are you sure I didn't say odds? <laughs> yeah. Damn I'm positive. Damn it. All right, that's it then. <laughs> Brian is out. Brian I'm is out. done for today. <laughs> I this am done. Oh, I gotta go cook my mother a, uh, a dinner today. I'm glad you finished that sentence. Oh, I gotta go man. cook my mother a dinner. <laughs> a dinner. Nope. All right. Well, next week for real, we will be talking about Paper Girls. Uh, again, that's Brian K. Vaughn, Cliff Chang, Matthew Wilson, and Jared K. Fletcher. Wait, there's one more thing, Brian. What's that? We did have a Twitter question. Oh, we did. We did. What what came up? Um could any of the Panelology crew survive drinking with Jessica Jones on a Tuesday visit to the local pub? If any of us it's Jen. We, we Jen, know this. Yeah, if any of us could it's Jen. Look, um I can hold my liquor. I don't know that I could hold my liquor against Jessica Jones. I feel like I would survive. We, we, we you I, and I would both survive. I definitely would not want to have survived. Would be my. Yes. I, that's where I'm going with this. I think. I feel like this is how I would learn what a hangover feels like. I think, without question, what would happen is the two of us would pass out, and Jen and Jessica would then just be great friends. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, then we complete the. Uh, the the actual foursome with Jen and Jen and Jess and Jess. So <laughs> Jess and Jessica, Jessica and Jessica and Jennifer and Jen. Right? Jones and Drew and Walters. Walters and, and yes. Yes. Uh-huh. That oh, oh my god. <laughs> Jen is going to be sorry she missed that. <laughs> All right. Now, we would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. You can visit our website at panelologypodcast.com, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash panelology, buy merch at bit.ly slash merch, capital P, capital M. If you want to send us questions, you can tweet them at us or go to bit.ly slash mailbag, capital P, capital M. I'm Alex. Uh, and I'm Brian, and you should go read comics and get caught up before those new issues start rolling back out. Yeah. Like I haven't done, like I should have.